Hi, I'm Gio. And I'm Renee. And this is Listen To Me Podcast, where you get all the greatest and unqualified advice from qualified creatives. Basically, we go through it so that we can help you be the change in your own life. That is a direct quote from Dr. DiNardo. <laughs> What's the point of the soundboard if you just make the noise? Now I because I, I want the like layered effect. It's like when singers put like a backing track <laughs> of like their own voice, except mine is just like annoying noises. <laughs> I love that you're comparing our podcast episodes to like a multi-layered vocal track. <laughs> like it's the closest thing I'll get to actually ever recording an album, so, <laughs> which is like one of my deepest like funnies. I would love to try. That would be amazing. Okay, so I I have to tell you what happened before we started recording today. Mm. So I worked out and I was really, really sore and I knew that we were recording at six. So I was like, I think I have time for a bath if I just like eat dinner really quick because we've been doing the meal prep. Mm. And then I just like go sit in the bath. So Clay was like, do you want me to draw you a bath? And I was like, yeah, that would be great. So he fucking drew me a bath. And he left the bath unattended and went downstairs to do dishes. And I I got up. I could hear him moving around downstairs. Like I could hear him when he started doing the dishes and I could hear like a drip, drip, drip from the faucet because our faucet is drippy. So I was like, oh shit, maybe he forgot. And I walked into the bathroom and as I walked in, I saw cheese sitting in front of the tub and as soon as he saw me he turned and looked and then fucking jumped into the tub <laughs> like into my bath and like <laughs> it had salts and like essential oils in the bath which is oh, like bad for dogs yes, so bad, i had yeah. to like pull him out and he was so upset because he thought he was getting a bath and he loves baths uh. <laughs> so i'm like standing naked in the tub with the dog and clay comes up and he's like what's wrong and i'm like this dog is in my bed and i'm naked and i take him away a podcast in 20 minutes wait so you drew a whole bath just to sit in it for 20 minutes yeah seriously i was really achy though like i just I, wanted to soak a little bit i never understand i'm so not a bath person i always find like it's so like what's the point? alberta has changed me there is nothing else like taking a bath to like bring up my core temperature because I'm so cold all the time but it really does help to when my muscles are sore because I did yoga with Rose on Monday as well and I am still feeling floppy yeah I did it yesterday (laughs) and today and uh it was good today I did the actual like flow class and (sighs) yeah right I'm just telling you I want to try to do tomorrow's but I don't know if I'm gonna make it I'll be there (laughs) at 9 a.m yeah maybe I'll see you there yeah maybe that'll be my motivation Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited to um, to continue. I'm trying to like at least do it a few times a week because I really have put it off for yeah. so long. And I think it would be really good for my mental health, which, by the way, is what we're talking about today. Yeah. Segway queen. <laughs> I just, so usually when you do segues, I just picture you on like a really nice sort of classic matte black segue. But when you just did that, because your background is so colorful today, I pictured you with like additional sparkly streamers and it was really nice. It was a great mental image and I wanted to share it with you. <laughs> I'll, I'll find like party explosions to put in. Like, <laughs> So tell us a little bit about Dr. DiNardo, Dr. Andrea Andrea DiNardo. A lovely human being. We originally connected on the internet, actually. She's one of those entities in Windsor, Essex. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. in Windsor, Essex. I feel like she knows so many people. We connected over, I think it was... I think it was my connection to Heather Chauvin, who I did her rebrand. And also she is a podcaster as well. The mom is in control podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I did an episode a couple yep. of years ago. And I think that's, I think that's how we originally connected. And then we ended up meeting for coffee and we just hit it off. We, our conversation went into a million directions. And I was like, this lady, I vibe with her because she sees things the way that I do. She speaks my language when yeah. it comes to just everything in general. And so I knew eventually I'd want to have her on. And I was like, but I just don't know what the approach would be with the episode. To give a bit of a background, I mean, she's a PhD in psychology. She was chief psychologist of a school board 
She's a frontline school psychologist. She had her own private practice. She's now retired. And so she teaches psychology for the nursing program at St. Clair College. She's also a textbook author, magazine columnist, and she also did a TEDx talk. And yeah, so she was one of the people I referenced a few episodes ago about who I knew who did a TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) Other than me just doing my own TED talk. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like the (laughs) Scooby-Doo. This is actually the um, part of the the art lab branding that I created. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. So is it is paint? The, like, it's paint splatters that I yeah. like mirrored. That's awesome. Uh, if anyone's asking, it's my background on Zoom because I <laughs> sit in a closet and I don't need our guests to see me sitting in a closet. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but anyway, let's get into it. Yes. office <laughs> listen we we have no judgments of here here on what we do on the internet no. <laughs> i've been spending a lot of time with you guys today and you don't even realize it <laughs> interesting i i like it i like it andrew do you by chance have headphones i'm going to jump in and ask you before geo does because i have this that's all are you worried about the echo it, it's interesting because I, I have very dear friends who watch my videos, listen to all this stuff, and they they said that I need to to improve this room. My husband said to me that even if you have more stuff, you mean Clay? Yes, Clay, my <laughs> husband. <laughs> that I talk about Clay. <laughs> I like that. I will tell him that that's how I've represented him on the podcast because he is going to be like, see, I told you. And I'll be like, nothing about you is easy going. No, <laughs> the interesting thing about the husbands is that the partners, whoever they are in your life, I always say to John, if I ever hit big, that he's going to be the opener at Caesars and he's going to dance to under pressure because that'll be actually what they're coming for. So they're going to come to see Clay, uh, to Clay. And I know the last time we talked about your love life, Gio, was at Ocean Bottom. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. What's Ocean yeah, Bottom? Very, very like type A guy you were dating that wasn't wild enough. Sorry. What were you saying about Clay? That is that oh. only above. <laughs> I love everything that's happening right now. <laughs> My fucking office is full of books. And he said I that know. that really helps. And it's hot. <laughs> love it. Cheers, guys. Oh. I don't even drink. So I, that's another story. I, I used to drink till I, till I got a serious job 15 years ago. And everywhere I go, my students are my wait staff. And I, I'm not ready to blow the lid off all that. Like you're like you're. <laughs> I'm obsessed with you. I just want to say that I'm obsessed. It's full circle. You see who we are. You guys are Amherstburg, right? Mm-hmm. I am. I like you. Renee, but you guys went to the same high school? Yeah, we did. We went to the hi- same high school in Windsor. Gio and I grew up in LaSalle, though. That's yeah. how we- oh, I don't know why I thought Amherstburg. Because his family's out there now, and I'm in Edmonton now. Yeah, I know that. But I know how cold it is. And I know yeah. how cold it was when Gio visited and he was wearing the right coat. Wasn't sure whether to buy the coat. <laughs> you really Thank went- God you had that coat. Oh my God, you would have you, died. You really went back into the archives, hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think about Gio's first time in like Church Street in Toronto. And you're walking really, really fast. But everybody else walks fast there. I'm telling you, I do my people are my, uh, my research. I get a message on Instagram today from her. And she's like, hey, like I'm, I'm basically, saying like i'm doing a deep dive into uh into you two today to get to prepare for tonight i, I like, like awesome. this i would yeah. like my psychoanalysis now please uh, okay. <laughs> first of all you guys have everything because you have each other and so we can start by talking about toxic positivity Okay, let's get into it because when I was putting together the outline for this interview, we like to send it ahead of time because I don't want to just like spring things on people, you know? Oh, excuse me, it's all marked up. <laughs> <laughs> I do my homework. Oh my god. That's you're... some academic shit right there. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. the academic. You slapped off when you were in school before because it was easy. And I was just like, Gio, I have to work for it all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, you said you said these questions and those questions. <laughs> I didn't like the question. <laughs> oh 
Okay, so <laughs> so I put together the questions. I'm sure sorry. you show some of this video because I put makeup on for this. Okay? <laughs> I'll make sure to put this out into the world. <laughs> oh my okay, God. go ahead, okay. Gio. So you put out the questions. Yeah, so I put together the questions. And one of the things that I noticed that you talk about in your talks online and a lot of the interviews you've done back and forth. You mean like, you mean like optimism? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's from the drive, right? There, you know... It's such a shame that this is an audio medium because the visual aids are not going to be included in the podcast recording. But you know what, though? Is show on IG? Yes. Yeah. I might, though. I might just for this one because this is, like, next level. I would subscribe to that because you also said you didn't think you should be doing video. I think Anyway, I'll try to. I'm very lonely in my at-home office, so I'm enjoying this. And John's sick of me. I <laughs> two new Italians. I actually have my Italian shirt on, but anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm gonna pass out. <laughs> story later, because I'm in love with Italian. <laughs> I know. I remember you telling me. Okay. Okay. I'm toxic positivity. Yeah. <laughs> so like. Okay, bring okay. it back. Bring it back. Okay, okay. Question number one. Question number one. So. We talked about toxic positivity a lot. And one of the things that you had immediately flagged when I sent you the, in a good way, the questions that I sent well, you. Well, it can like, be in a bad way. I'm okay with that. I'm actually really <laughs> no, okay with that. You literally were like, this question I so want to talk about on the podcast because mm. I, this idea of toxic positivity and how it's seen as like a, such a negative thing, which it can be in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm just going to so like pass gonna it to you. We're going to the myth. Yes, okay. I would love that. Okay. So anything to an extreme is not good. If you're positive all the time, like all the time, then most likely you're manic and that could be diagnosed as bipolar. I was on DM with Gio John's like, have you been smoking pot? Because like you are, you just can't stop laughing. And <laughs> anyway, I reel it back in. Now, when I started undergrad at Western, you two were not even born. Like you were just born, 1989, 1990, you were born? 88. 88. So in 1988, I started Western and this will be full circle back to toxic positivity. So I lived in the world and all I ever know is nuances. So this whole online forum where a lot of people are obsessed with showing every part of yourself, yeah. like obsessed. So you're deep, like we can talk about authenticity. I'm all about being authentic. It's like, if you know me, you know me. I mean, mm -hmm. you've seen more of me now than you've, you know. On Instagram, I even put it in the in my notes to you that I'm showing up as the professor. I have a responsibility to my students. That's why I quit drinking. Honestly, I, like I, we were trying to have kids, but also because I wanted to be responsible in the community. Because you can really, and you know this from your own personal experiences, you can really. I really believe in walking the talk. Yeah. So if yeah. I'm in the classroom and I'm, I better be walking that talk. My point is, is that I understand personally, especially being a psychologist, like my, that's my profession, that I see everything, like everything. And it's just because I'm trained to see it. Just like Renee, when you read a book now, you see it in ways that you probably wish you didn't see it. Like you pick up things that you, so you see it. And, and Gio, when you look at someone's page someone's graphics yeah, so, everything. Right, so there's nothing so when someone says even i listen to some of your interviews Gina, someone says well it's good to know that you which i love and we're all the same like i just see we're all the same when you talked about our lemon soul podcast you talked about the fact that you would say your self-doubt mm -hmm. is the thing that holds you back and then renee you've always had this dream that hasn't let you go as a writer and so much self-doubt that you were probably even thought i can't even put a pen to paper because who am i to put pen to paper mm -hmm. and as and as geocap say you just got to show up and so my point is is that i'm actually very positive because i'm not mm -hmm. so because of the world that i live in of psychology i'm i'm knee deep in pathology yeah. Right. So I'm knee deep in people's problems all the time. So when I was young and when I graduated 10 years later in 98, the only model of psychology was, and you know this from the Lemonsville podcast, but the only model of psychology was like for the first 50 years was what was wrong with you. Right. And so what ends up happening is as a psychologist, as a social worker, as a teacher, as a writer, you know, as an entrepreneur, you develop learned helplessness. 
And now in COVID, like what the fuck? And I drop the F-bombs all the time, okay? I know you well enough, I can tell right now. Oh, we do. <laughs> I have never heard that word before in my life, so. <laughs> it's an active, it's a verb, you know, it's everything. So versatile. It's like my kryptonite to all the negativity that I'm surrounded by. So for example, I had to unsubscribe from 200 people I was following on Instagram because I was so hard hit. And you know this too, that there's this push, 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 push for showing the insides of yourself without a warning. And this is why I loved your episode four so much because Renee, you started with a warning. Yes. You did. Yes, you yes. did. And so that gives people a chance that we're all hypersensitized and we're all psychic and we're all empathic, like we've never been before. And so for me, the positive part of me, it's me, but it's like a shield. Mm -hmm. And so that when I start with what's right, Gio, with you, and Renee, when I start with what's right, it doesn't mean that we're not gonna get to what's wrong, but we're gonna fortify ourselves with, you know, the F-bombs, the friendship, all that kind of stuff. And then we'll dig deep. But what's really interesting, is the second that you start to talk about your strengths, what lights you up. So writing, creating, drag queens, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Girls, <laughs> kind, not every kind. You're, you're not interested in that cowboy that shows up at the bar who says, oh, I hear you're gay, don't look at my ass. And she was like, who do you think you are? You're not even of interest to me. Yeah, I got that. I got Oh my God. The so deep crazy. dives, the deep cuts. She keeps bringing the deep cuts. I'm fucking So the toxic positivity is as superficial as you're going to get. It's like sacred. It's like, it's like throwing seeds onto your backyard and expecting a palm tree. Mm -hmm. There are really five parts, and this all gets to your friendship. One of the models of positive psychology is called PERMA. And the first one is, is positive emotion. So you guys meet for a half an hour before you meet with your podcast guests. Yeah. That's because you're warming up, you're connecting. And you're actually going into the second, which is engagement and the R, so PERMA, P-E-R-M-A. So it's positive emotion, engagement, which is flow. So when you're writing, when you're reading, when you're creating, when I'm giving a speech, when I'm teaching, I'm in flow. The R is relationships. And that's what I'm saying. If you two, God forbid, died tomorrow, you would die richer than most people because you have a friendship that's last, lasted 30 years. Oh. You're very honest and open. And, and you guys have had challenges too. Because I'm sure when Renee came out a couple of years ago, you're like, what? I had no idea. I was like, don't take this from me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then M is meaning. So you have to have meaning in the suffering. So every single day you're thinking, what? And this is back to the questions around challenge and failure, whatever. That if I can find meaning in this. So when Renee talked about, I'm going to stay out west. It's friggin' cold, but I'm going to turn them all into NDP. So that'll make it worthwhile. Fucking right. That's her meaning. <laughs> and then A is achievement. So this is the one thing because you're going to ask me later about the three simple things that you would do every day. And I think what's really missing is that we're letting people off the hook too easily. We're saying you don't have to have discipline. You don't have to accomplish anything. That's what makes you feel good. That yeah. the accomplishment side of it. So toxic positivity is sort of like when they talk about spiritual bypass. That's just like a catch word, but to really have depth, you know, just like, Friendships, you have friendships that are buddies, then you have friendships that are meaningful. Mm -hmm. Positive psychology, it's got like every aspect of it that it's easier for me to get into a positive mood because if you look at the five C's of, or not five C's, it's called the big five personality characteristics. One is agreeableness. Some people just get into a mood easier, but I still have to work out. I still have to sleep. I still have to eat right. Mm -hmm. I still have to like hold myself accountable. And I guess what I'm trying to say is nothing just happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and toxic positivity is just a way for cranky people to say, stop being so happy because people say that to me. So when people are all like, I'm challenged all the time. In fact, even if you were to ask me the parts of me that, that I, I stay hidden, I would say like, I'm a lot more intense in person and, um, and that I'm a lot more cynical. I'm a lot more this, I'm a lot more that. And that not just like both of you, not everybody can handle it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it 
it's your show. I don't want to take it over. No, no, no. This is great. I I just have a question. So to me, I've always understood toxic positivity is kind of always putting like a positive spin on literally everything that happens. And I want to clarify the distinction that you're making. So like, no, you go ahead. Cause I actually have stayed away from the definition because it annoys me too much. So I, I would like you to educate me. From what I understand, you've done a lot around resilience. And I was telling you at the top of the episode that I also did a lot of work in resilience in my therapy after my dad died, because that was very recently too. Very recently. And it really, it fractured my family. I'm estranged from my mom now. So resilience really helped. So do you just tell me your father's name? My dad's name is, was Mike. Mike. Yeah. Michael Malosh. (laughs) I miss him. (laughs) And so that's not something you're going to have a positive spin on. Right. Exactly. Right. There there are certain things that no, like John's father died of a horrific kind of brain cancer and there's no, right. And there's no positive spin on that. Yeah. The positive spin, if you want to put it on there, Renee, is that you're developing and learning about resilience, but that, that could never take away from your dad's death. He was 59. Uh, yeah, I think he was 59. He would have been 60 in April. He died. I looked at your Instagram. I really believe in holding the space. Yeah. Yeah. And I did that. And like, to me, toxic positivity would be like somebody who's like, you know, but he's not suffering anymore because he had such a horrific illness. And I'm like, okay, but that doesn't take away from the fact that like, we are now bereft. Like we miss him so much. And you're also like, negating the fact that as you said I need to hold space for like how much I miss him and how much it's impacted my life right so like that's I just wanted to clarify that understanding because I think toxic positivity gets sort of like mushed in with keeping a positive outlook even when things are tough and you still acknowledge your challenges that you're facing but they're not the same thing because as you said, toxic positivity looks at the superficial and goes, just move past the rest of this shit. It just, it's, it's good. Like, don't worry about it. Right. Whereas like when you're really confronting stuff going sideways, yeah, you can find silver lining, but you're also actually like full on facing the tough shit, like the difficult stuff that's happening. And as you should, and this will be something that will, you will be forever changed because of this. Yeah. And what we're talking about is the difference between an acute problem and a chronic problem. So this is acute. This is painful. This cuts deep. Whereas people that complain repetitively about their neighbor or whatever it is, you know, that, that's very different too. I, I, it's interesting because I was going to ask each of you to explain how you see toxic positivity. For someone to do that, that's very dismissive. Mm-hmm. And, and it brings up another really important issue. And this is where I hold myself back is that there are so many people like you wouldn't do this if you had cancer if you have cancer you're not going to run around like an, like you're an oncologist but people that struggle and i i think i sh- you should tell your story but people that struggle with a lot of different issues are walking around like they're experts in a field and they're and people are listening to them they're like they're experts in a field and so this is one of the reasons back to sharing psychology, it's just a way to do bite-sized pieces that is accessible. And Renee, I am so happy that you shared, that you are seeing a therapist, that you've seen a therapist. I have so much respect for that. That's a very important part of being trained as a psychologist. And I've seen a psychologist throughout my life and I have no yeah. shame in it, I celebrate it. How am I ever gonna understand what it's like to be on the other side of a coach? And I know Gio can relate to all of this too. And I think one of the, the biggest struggles for me, and this is one of the reasons that I, that I retired my practice after 18 years, is that when you're a psychologist, the number of rules that are on you are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's a really big concern about boundaries, which is really important because you're in a power position. Yeah. But I wouldn't, I, you know, I have a story too. And, and I probably showed about, shared about 8% of my story. And when you're in a position of a, a psychologist, you can't. That would actually be called a, a boundaries being crossed because it makes you too familiar with your client and your clients are every So all the rules are changing. So that sometimes I also really struggle and I'm triggered when I see other psychologists online sharing so much openly where I see a lot of boundaries crossed and a lot of over-familiarity. So back to that whole toxic positivity and all of these coaches after maybe a minute 
of training. That's actually a really good point too. Like I personally, when I, so I've been in therapy for a long time, um, like for many, many years. And then I did a specific type of grief therapy after my dad died and during it. And my therapist worked in a framework where she shared like a loss, like a big grief that she had had in her life, but it was so structured. It had such a specific framework and there were only certain things that she shared. And it was really just to be, to facilitate my own grief processing. Like it wasn't about us like bonding or anything like that. It was just more about like, you know, this helped me to frame things in a certain way. And this, this will help you. And you'll go through the same exercise, like just so that, you know, I understand And now you understand too how effective she was. Yes. Yeah. It was fantastic. And that's the first time I ever had a therapist share things about themselves with me. But like I said, it was very, very structured according to a framework. It was not like willy nilly, like. Brenny Brown, I'm more familiar with, with her TEDx talk that she didn't think was going to go anywhere. Oh, that's wild. No, not exactly. She wasn't even going to do it. And that she, after the fact, People confuse what being vulnerable was and being vulnerable was in the context of a relationship. Yeah. And right. So, so what she also researched, what people are talking about something called floodlighting. So Gio, I see you. And when I tell you a story, I'm going to look you in the eyes and I'm going to notice how much I can share and you will physically pull back if it's too much. Mm-hmm. And so what happens now with online is that we can't see the person in front of us and there's this dump. And so this is one of the reasons there's so much anxiety out there and that it's just what it really is, it's overstimulation. And I just gave a, a workshop, an online webinar to about 75 social workers at CMHA. And I talked to them about the fact that they have to be really careful to guard their time outside of their counseling because to not talk about mental health on their off hours because they will become numb to it. So I'll give you an example of it, right? So if you know, you know those teachers yeah. that really seem to be cold over time, you know, nurses, because you went through this, you would have seen different nurses that were fantastic in the hospital or not. There'll be nurses in the hospital that will refer to patients by their room number. Yeah. And so the young nurses that I teach will be just, oh my God, that'll never be me. And I'll explain to them that's a product of what's called secondary trauma, compassion fatigue, and unconsciously they shut themselves down. And Renee, even your own personality, that there's a, I'm sure there's, even I can tell from your smile, there's just a really soft core on the inside. And what what tends to happen is you have a more protective outer layer. So remember, I was sharing my positivity. It's true, but it's also an armor for me, right? Mm -hmm. Because part of it is I I don't want to hear everywhere I go. Like I've now learned if I travel that I'm an insurance agent, not a psychologist. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to necessarily hear so, so back to that whole thing that there's there's all these layers going on they're very evident to me you two are very mature for your age there's no question i'm immature too and the right amounts like oh, me. yes <laughs> and that nothing is ever one thing or the other and the internet if you actually take the internet at face value your issue is bigger than the internet being at face value yeah. And you talked about that, Gio. You talked about the fact that when you meet someone in real life, they better be like they are online. Like, it's, we could talk about when we first met. I want to say that because that's the thing, though, where I am very, I guess, protective of my energy when it comes to meeting new people. Yeah, yeah, so you should be. Yeah. When it comes to how people present themselves online and like our interactions that were primarily oh. online before we met, I knew, I, I was like, this person is presenting is I can tell that it's they're authentically themselves and so it was for me it was a no brain like I wasn't hesitant to hang out and to say hey let's I'm curious to know your tells because that's a skill that you're talking about right now because we were talking about a little bit too what is sort of the non-verbals online what how do you know that what what sort of lines up that you would know that how you write how you speak it's it's very it's like very direct and like this is just what I think and there's no like especially now with dating apps and Instagram everybody's presenting a very curated dumbed down diluted oh let's go there next topic because I find it so I don't have the I don't even know how to do that 
it's so bad that's the thing like when i'm in person i have a hard time being anything other than geo and so you you can suss out like who is authentically themselves now more than ever because and i think honestly it comes down to me having a better sense of myself and how i I present i love that and so it helps me to like weed out the people who are not being themselves Mm -hmm. but yes we went for coffee (laughs) (laughs) I was like, whoa, is it over? Like, yeah, that was a wild ride. Uh, and and then the interesting thing is, Gio, we went for coffee because he was curious to know if he should go back to school for psychology. And I said, never. Yeah. I remember when I, I was- talk people out of it all the time, but specifically you too. I was going through a mental breakdown. I was like, I just, it was like a crossroads of my life. And I think I've kind of touched on this on the podcast, but I was really just disconnected from the work I was doing. I was not getting to where I wanted to quick enough. And in that way where Mm -hmm. it just felt like a struggle and I was very disconnected from my work and I had a lapse in judgment of just like- And you weren't sure if you were going to go back to Toronto. Sort of like you were in the- Yeah, yeah, I I was considering it. And then it, it just very serendipitous in the way that we ended up meeting. And just that conversation really did- strain me from doing that because looking back I'm like what the fuck was I thinking like it makes no sense that's so interesting though because so in your TEDx talk Andrea you talk specifically about how I think there's a point where you talk about how if somebody's having an issue uh, or like if they're failing exams or something like First that. All, thank you for watching it. Yeah, <laughs> of <laughs> course. So if somebody fails their exams, it might force them to take a closer look and be like, um, okay, maybe this isn't the right path for me. But then if you go deeper and you actually connect more with your understanding of yourself, you might go, I really didn't study enough for that. And that kind of sounds to me like what Gio is saying where it's like things weren't happening fast enough so all of a sudden he was like abandon ship I have to go do psychology which I never knew that and I am like gagged right now what the fuck bitch that's terrible I have to tell you being in school especially graduate school is one of the worst experiences of my life I know Gio you would die I have so many friends who did their MA and were like I should have just I don't even know become a garbage man or something that's really derogatory I shouldn't say that but you know what I'm saying like grad school is terrible no, it's awful. No, it, but I think it was that that slight lapse in judgment. Which uh, but like the a, universe wanted us to meet. That's it's the truth. <laughs> and then you went to my optimism boot camp. Yes, I did. That was really fun. Which was at Ocean Bottom. That's yeah. what we were talking about earlier. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, o- Ocean Bottom is a, a local shop that sells like oils and soaps and all mm-hmm, sorts of mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like a wellness and, shop, kind of. Yeah, and Lorena and I, my sister, we went to the workshop. Oh, please say hi. And she's a psychology major. Listen, back to the we're going to talk about failure too, because I believe so much in failure. Gio, you were like my therapist when I was leaving like a month ago. I mean, I canceled, like it's so much on you guys and rescheduled and all this kind of stuff. I, this is what gets me into trouble and I'll go back to failure. I'm a hopeless optimist okay so this is what i'm saying like there's so many levels that whatever i believe so much in people i'm absolutely blinded yeah but i do sober up within 24 hours <laughs> can you teach me that because i've been in that situation a few times where it's taking oh, me longer <laughs> my husband very he smacks it out of me no i you understand exactly what i'm saying I do because my husband does the same thing to me. He can tell within 24 hours if somebody is not who they represent themselves as. And I'm like, no, they're fine. They're just having a hard time. And he's like, stop, stop it. Because you believe the best in people, mm-hmm. right? You believe, you believe the best in people. And over time, what remains and all this circling back to failure is for me, it really hits Renee and Gio and, and, and in business. Because of the field that I'm in, most people don't understand that to give a one hour talk and the, one of the reasons that I'm really working on my speaking business, which is 20 years in the making, is that my first professional speaking gig was at the year 2000, like in psychology of the new millennium. And it was in Windsor. I was living in London at the time. Is because I want to reach as many people as I can. But a lot of, but it's hard to negotiate. And I have a set, oh, let's, I mean, we could, you know, we could talk about that and Renee too because part of your your work is expanding doing editorial work and stuff like that and listen I believe in pro bono work but we and and you talk about this too but you decide what the pro bono work is because right if you do the pro bono work it's very easy because Gio you talk about being 
a business of one person. I'm a business of one person. I try to like pretend I'm somebody else, but I'm like, you know, like a different email. This is a manager. And I can't pay my husband enough and beers take over for me. <laughs> Just like at my job, I teach for free everything else I get paid to do. I love to do the speeches, but I hate the uh, everything else. So people assume that you are a good person, you're positive, you'll do it for free. They don't understand that every, in every hour that I give a speech is 30 hours behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's where I got burned. I get burned and I'll always get burned, but that's what part of the failure is. Honestly, Renee, like back to the TEDx, I have to look at myself, see what need is unmet. And I am like the lowest level of what's uh, validation is, you know, acceptance from other people. So I'm afraid to show up as that bad person, which is the business person, which eventually shows up. Yeah, they're there. They're there. Mm -hmm. Right? How many times have you been burned? Too many. Yeah. When you're not aware of what's happening and you, you, your blinders are up permanently. That's when you see these people repeating the same shit. And now I've paid attention to the signs, whether it's in love or in in work, whatever it is. Give me one of each. Okay. I get a sense of somebody who's going to be a hard ass to work for when their approach is towards the process that I present to them of how I do things when they kind of like question it or they like, poo-poo it or they um what's the word they don't trust you they yeah, yeah yes See, they don't they should look at you a geo i like how you talk about being a partner and they say you know what geo i may be and you guys hate the term but i'm gonna use an expert i'm an expert in psychology you're an expert in branding you're an expert in graphic design i'm hiring you because i trust mm-hmm. you enough that I, you don't even have to explain your process i've seen your end result and the ones that question it, those are the ones I know. I'm like, Ugh, I don't know if I should go forward with this. And, and you then, know, you and know. That, that's what and I'm saying. And they usually are the ones that are the most difficult to work for. And sometimes, you know, when you're, when I'm desperate for some cash, I'm like, oh shit, you know, like things are slower. I'll take this project. And then I end up losing money <laughs> when it, like Ugh. in the sense of like time, right? Like, and yeah, losing money, losing time, losing heart, losing hope. Yeah. And then you hate yourself. Yeah. I hate them, but <laughs> well, you're like, I knew that this was I knew them it. too. I hate them too. <laughs> Should we take a break? Yeah. And then you guys tell me in the in between. I want it's your show, so I don't wanna I wanna make sure that no, no this, this is, is great. This okay. is great. This uh, we have we usually have a structure, but like this, I love the way it's like going off in a hundred places. It's really fun. Yeah, we're Remember, doing it all. It's really serving my ADHD right now. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, the thing is, we can keep up with each other. That's all that matters. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Go get yourself some vodka. I'll see it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Go Tinder. No, it's not Tinder. It's the other way. Go Tinder that app. I'll see it. It's Go grind it up. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, you got three minutes. That's enough. See you soon. <laughs> Are you doing clinical research or so like my, my background is school and counseling psychology? Yeah, I'm not currently doing research right now. It's I'm more of an interpreter of the research. I'm most interested in taking everything out there and making it accessible. So so my my most recent research, which is interesting, was on enthusiasm, um, positive emotion in the classroom, and how it led to student engagement. You were at the college, by the way, Gio, when I was at the college. Can you imagine if I was one of your professors? You were there for one year. I was there for a year, yeah. yeah. This was in 2006. And then you went to become a French teacher initially. I did, but then I ended up with a classics and anthro degree. <laughs> and 33,000 or 31,000 in debt? I think it was 33 at the end of it, yeah. And how much of that debt was martini debt? And how much of it was academic debt? It was all academic debt because I <laughs> like to take an insane course load. So I was like, I'm just going to load up on electives for no fucking reason. Maybe I want to do archaeology. Who knows? 
You're interested in everything. I am interested in everything. That is literally what they'll put on my gravestone. And look at your books. I mean, it's very obvious, all the books that, and, and all of that. That That's one of the reasons I also like to write. That's one of the reasons in, uh, I started my blog in 2016, because back to positive psychology, that after being in the field for a very long time, I never wanted to be that nurse who talked about the person by the room number. I always wanted to have that heart and have my heart open. And just like the three of us talked about earlier, that we will get burned, you know, and yeah. we'll continue to get burned. I mean, that's part of the fire of life. Yeah. And I think back to that, to having the self-compassion around that and forgiving yourself for that. Geo, by your personality, you're more logical. It's not, you know, we can talk about gender specifics, et cetera, but your personality is your very matter of fact. And that's why you struggle. This is what I see anyway. That's why you struggle with the emotions sometimes because just like move on. Like let's get down to, to business about these things. So accurate. No, I'm just kidding. No, okay, it's, <laughs> it's true though. I am, it, that is very true. But then I do get lost in emotions when it comes to parts of myself that I don't feel grounded in. Okay, for example. A big thing for me is like my my self-worth when it comes to romantic relationships. Okay, yes, we can that, go there. That is the thing that has been my... Oh. I know Achilles no, heel. I know because we think we love you, <laughs> you know, and the famous term unpack all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so what happened, like you said, like, you don't need me. You obviously know, but the only thing I'd say to you is just pick a part of a little bit of it at a time. So back to the simple things on repeat. So find the one area that, what would you say? Okay. Ask Dr. D anything. What would you say? <laughs> What would you say the one part that you repeatedly are the hardest on yourself about when it comes to romantic relationships? I guess it's like not uh, hard. I don't know if it's hardest on myself. Yeah, just say it though. Don't scream. I mean, Renee knows, but I want to hear from you. I always feel like I'm never good enough. Yeah. That is like the, the recurring theme where I'll meet somebody and immediately I'm like, and, and I also will like, even though they could not be right for me, I will be like, oh, this person showed me attention once. Kids, How and it's strict like, is your dad? Uh, in what way? He is very, it, what's yeah. the word, circumspect with his affection. He is yeah. not free with That's his it. affection or That's approval. It. That's it. You're essentially replaying out that relationship and that you never, ever, ever got enough from your dad. And so that's why you'll take it anywhere. The right guys Those come love along. droplets. Before you go out on a date, before you go on, I'm just because we have fun with it. Before you go on Grinder, yeah. you need to you need to write yourself a love letter. Gio, mm -hmm. you write yourself a love letter. You write two love letters: one to yourself, one to your eight-year-old self. Yeah. Like, how old were you when you knew that you were gay? I think I was seven. Okay, so seven, and so at that, that point that I'm sure in a lot of ways, especially because the conditioning was so different back then, you were starting to separate from yourself because you have this, because I do know a lot of gay men that are Italian. I mean, two in your own family, right? Yeah. And no matter what, like, that's just the way that they were brought up. So there was the geo that was the sole geo, which is, you know, everything that geo was. And that, then there's that part that was starting to separate. So like whenever you get on a call with someone, before you even get on a call with someone, you should have confirmation that you get paid. So when you, when, before that even happens, that's your seven-year-old showing up. So every time we screw ourselves over or get screwed over in every sense of the word, it's because we're not showing up as an adult self. So that's why you talk about not feeling grounded. Part of it is really, you don't love it. No, none of us love ourselves. We can say it. But yeah. we don't love ourselves unconditionally. 100%. You know, we can strip, right? You can strip away everything. But it was funny because I remember it was only until recently, and I don't quite think I believe it. But I remember what John said to me, my husband, he's like, like, would you choose me or my P your PhD? I'm like, my PhD, you know, like my PhD pays itself, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that, that we have all these external things that we judge ourselves by. So once again, I mean, there's that love letter to yourself, but at the end of the day, it's because it's not him. It's him with a capital H.
what you just said really strikes a chord with me in a good way because in the last year I think I've gotten to a point now where I am able to look at my life from a bird's eye view like my Google Earth I like to call it and I can see like what I've been able to achieve what I've brought into fruition which is like my business my life my my direct messages okay (laughs) (laughs) this podcast yeah yeah all these things that I've done and I'm like yes and the, the lives that I can affect, I guess. And like the people that I, cause like all the people I bring on a lot of times, like I will, the joke, the running joke is like, I blow yeah. smoke up their asses. Right. But it's because I genuinely I see so much awesomeness in these I'm people. Right now, right now. Go ahead. <laughs> and I can look at what I've been able to do in my own life. And now I have less worry about someone coming in inventory. Yeah, exactly. Inventory. <laughs> That's true. Right, so call it a love letter, call it taking inventory. In, in the, the zoo, the uh, webinar I did at the CMHA, it's like taking a history, that quote of how far you've come. It's you going, hey, you're lucky to have me. That, yes. yes, that's exactly what I'm saying, where I'm like, I was seeing somebody in the summer very briefly. They yeah. did the whole thing where it was just like, they did a lot of this talking, but I was never like 100% on board because I was like, I don't know, like, I don't feel... I don't feel that thing that they're saying. And then they ghosted me out of nowhere for like 24 hours. It bothered me. Cause I was like, who does that? Who's a grown man who fucking can't, doesn't have the balls to have this conversation say, Hey, I'm just not into you. And then I was like, literally the balls. What a fool. I'm like, honestly, what a fool. Not for anything, but like, and I don't want to sound egotistical. I'm hardworking. Listen, speak to the microphone. I'm hardworking. I'm driven. I'm attractive. I'm conscious. I can cook. How tall are you? Because I like tall men. How tall are you? <laughs> I'm 6'3". <six three. laughs> yeah, there you go. Take inventory. Take inventory. Oh my God. I am obsessed with this talk. Yeah, do me next. Do me yeah. next. <laughs> Take inventory. And everything I'm saying to you, Gio, I'm saying to myself, because you mm. bring up a really important, and I get it from my parents, because you'll hear it back from your parents, because as soon as you're like, my dad said, okay, professor. As soon as you stand in the power, the people that can handle your power will try to bring you down, right? And your parents will always try to keep you small because that's how they they contain you. That's how they control you. So even yourself, when you're taking inventory, this voice in your head that says, well, I'm not trying to be arrogant, be arrogant. (laughs) Take take 20 minutes out of the day and be arrogant. You're you're like, this is shit you've done. Yeah. It's not even arrogance because you're literally, it is. It's just inventory. I like that term. All we want. You can call it blowing smoke up your own ass if you want to. I just say it because I think it's funny because I know the geo does it, but it truly <laughs> is establishing a history or taking an inventory. And it's, we've talked about this on the podcast before, like, thinking about how far you've come like every time you feel like I can't reach this goal that I set myself taking a look back and going look at everything I've done and who would have thought that I could have done these things even a year ago two years ago whatever like you really do have to fucking benchmark yourself and you Mm -hmm. do it for yourself psychic Renee and that's it you're doing it for yourself at work I didn't have my placard doctor up there for six years because there are so, I, I'm like one of seven PhDs out of 500 professors and everybody there is an unrequited PhD. Yeah. I don't talk about how happy I am in my marriage. I'm so happy in my marriage. I love John so much. I love my job. I love, like, I love my life. And that's because I had a lot of trauma. Most, like, maybe we're, when you were having that moment, that's that was right on the mark. Late 20s, early 30s, you have your first significant if only midlife crisis where you think this is what you you did this for your whole life and that's what it is so when i so i have my reference point renee you have your reference point geo you have your reference point and take inventory take stock and do it for yourself Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it helps it really does at this point now when i look back because i feel secure in it that's the difference though when we met when I was like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my life even though I do have a direction but it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel real yet and then now uh, that was two years ago now yeah and by the way I saw it I saw your future and I still (laughs) see your future it only takes one client too I mean you have your clients but you're gonna get land one client that is so big that that's all you're gonna need they're not gonna ask you about your process I hope so. That'd be yeah. great. <laughs> we have some billionaires in this town, by the way. 
Yeah, I haven't met any of them yet. <laughs> well, I'm planning on playing tennis with one of them uh, in the in the spring. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, I know a graphic designer, <laughs> and he's in the stands cheering us on. <laughs> Renee, you're up. Ask Doctor D anything. <laughs> I just want my psychoanalysis. I just love that. I want to hear it. I want to hear my uh, future. What was? Because I was confused by the queer part until I is this queer got a different definition. I do have a husband. Yes. How like, has your life changed? Is it, yeah, how's it changed since you it, came out? Because you it, said you know for about eight years. I think that looking back, I've done more reading about it because that's how I process things I like to read. So I've done more reading about, um, like if you're familiar with compulsory heterosexuality, that kind of school of thought and thinking about my own experiences growing up in my relationship to femininity as well. So like I have a little bit of like gender queerness that's happening for me too. Honestly, I knew when I met my husband, like I knew that I was queer already. And also when I met Clay, I was like, "Uh oh, I'm in trouble now. You're in danger because I knew like I was going to end up with him. Like for sure I did within the first couple of months, I was already like there in my head. So I told him right away, like, I was like, I don't know if this is going to be a deal breaker for you. And I've never talked about this with any other partner that I've had and they've all been men, but I'm not straight. And he was like, okay. <laughs> he was like, anyway, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> That's amazing. That's another example of love being love. I mean, however you want to find it. I don't know if Gio shared, my sister's gay. And so she came out when she was 25 and mm-hmm. she was also with men probably till yep. she was probably about 17 or 18 then. But we all kind of thought like, I mean, she was stereotypically very much a tomboy and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And then she started to have gay partners when she was probably in her early 20s, then came up to her family. But I, we were really, really close. So I you know, because I shared a different side of my sister's story on Love and Soul podcast. Mm-hmm. I have so much respect for both of you. So much respect. Life is hard enough as it is. And adding that other layer, and no one will quite ever, ever understand, not only being gay, but bi, queer, whatever you want to call it, that you're, there's always that part of you that pulls back who you are. Yeah. And, and it's a safety issue and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, and not in a toxic positivity kind of way, that's what makes you so sharp because oh, yeah. you have very heightened senses because you always have to have your spidey senses up. And, yeah. and, and right. And the fact that you shared with Clay right away, that just showed how much you loved him. And also yeah. like the first hit that I got was like, you guys most likely had a past life together because that you just knew you just felt <laughs> like it was so strong. Literally. And, that's like the third time I've heard that <laughs> insanely. And Gio, Gio, you're not dating anybody right now, right? Oh, hell no. no. no, no. <laughs> no it's how- coming. <laughs> yeah, but like, let's be real. Who's dating right now? Yeah, you know, that's we can get to that. How, right? How? 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 I, I don't want a stranger in my house. No, God, no. We're a bubble of two. In fact, we've always kind of been isolated, so it's kind of part of it isn't so bad because we're not from Windsor. And I'm. You talk about being guarded about your time. I'm very guarded about my time. I keep saying this where if I lived alone in normal times, like it wouldn't matter. But yeah. But then I also love it because I'm able to not be affected by other people's energy and so i can yeah it's if i start to get on edge or agitated it's because of my own like i can i can control that and be like, okay geo like what's going on right versus maybe somebody else coming in and being like get out <laughs> that's why the silver lining that's finding the silver lining yeah okay let's go back to renee <laughs> renee. renee would you say that you feel more free now i feel called to acknowledge that we have a lot of privilege as white people who are queer because it's more accepted uh, in some in certain ways in certain contexts I chose not to have that conversation with my dad because he was really conservative and I didn't want it to mar like the last moments that we had together because I knew that it would be really hard for him to understand it and I was like you know what it's not about him it's about me But yeah, I think that being a queer person, like I think A, for me, I was like tired. I was tired of pretending when I would be like, yeah, that 
I find that woman really attractive or I find that person really attractive or I had a crush on this person or whatever. Like I I was tired of like lying to myself, lying to other people. But I also didn't really realize that like when you do come out, it's a commitment to always coming out over and over and over again, right? Like it's never just that you are out. People always assume that straight is the default and that binary like gender is the default. And so you just get like... I have those inner layers, right? Like I have people that I'm really comfortable with and people that I have those conversations with when I'm like feeling some type of way, like if I have dysphoric moments or whatever, or if I'm like, I see a cute girl and I want to talk about it, like maybe it's only with certain people, but it has taught me valuable things about like trusting myself and my people, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. And and what I'm hearing too, because I love your visuals about it too, is that- you're a teacher. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I like teacher. explaining things. Yeah, you're a teacher. And and I also love because the generation that both of you are in, like back to the whole Brené Brown and vulnerability is that you're very respectful as much as you want to be accepted. We also, we all want to be fully accepted for who we are. I also believe that, and you're, you're demonstrating that, that not everybody's earned the right to know every part of who you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what emotional intimacy is. Yeah. Straight or gay, you're not going to be telling everybody about your sex life anyway. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that part of it. And that that you choose, but at the same time, you're educating people. And you brought this is what the podcast is about. That yes. you're educating people, that, that that you guys have such a chemistry that you bring people in. And that I love what you shared about your dad too, because it wasn't you made it about him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what's so important about making about the person, okay, as much as, once again, I, I mean, there's so many parts of myself, but when I'm a, the professor, when I'm in those professional roles, it's about my students. I want them to feel safe. I want them to feel cared for. I don't need to be, like, it's, I don't want to give them whiplash because that's not about that place, right? There's a place for that. And yeah. so, like, you have to get on to Gio's podcast and Renee's podcast to learn a little bit more about me. You have to go into that interview. So it's like we have these little rooms so that if we're, like, flashing ourselves everywhere, then where's back to the nuance? Where's the interest? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, that's what we do. That's, so both of you are very multi-layered, very interesting, very empathic. And you're both teachers. Yeah. You've marketed this podcast. I love what, how you have it set up on the, the site and talk about the countries. Like, I feel like when I go in to look at the podcast, I feel like, I, I, like I'm traveling somewhere. So just so you know, there's like, there's a real sense of travel and adventure and that you have such a wide range of guests. So to the whole creativity, let's talk about, let's talk about the psychology of the creative mind before we run out of time. Cause I know that's, that's what do you ask me questions around that? Okay, so this is literally the first question we're asking you that's on our list. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I want to talk about the psychology of the creative mind, though. Like, if you can summarize it, like, what would you say? Because we've done episodes about that. Like, Gio, and we've talked about the intersection between creativity and queerness. And one of the things that really struck me was that queer people tend to be people who think in layers. They think in abstract. They think you were just talking about Gio's like separation between his seven-year-old self and his adult self. And a lot of queer people are like that. They compartmentalize who they are because they learn that as a coping strategy, right? right? As they're growing up. And so they're able to see kind of like the layers of meaning in certain things. And I think you, in any sense, I'm talking creativity beyond artistic pursuit. You, I think you need to be able to see layers and think in a critical way to be creative. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So what we're talking about is the ability to think abstractly and we're also right and it's about to go very deep and so just let's use social media as an example that's where everybody everyone is that's where they live now okay so i think of it like the matrix and so that we know that there's a separation and that's why you're both really good at picking up who's fake and who's not and that's why i'm confused because i always think like if i don't post things does that mean i'm fake because i don't even know like you know what i mean mm-hmm. so so essentially a lot of people and it's this is how we could talk about journalism and messages and communication and the idea is that they're getting in through they're basically making republicans this way conservatives that way right 
Well, they're well, sick, right? But liberals and conservatives, yeah. like they're trying to make everything black and white. Yes. Two extremes. And there's nothing about us that's extremes. And what that does is it fractures us. It fractures us as individuals. It makes us afraid of each other. It makes us afraid to talk about anything. Where that fits in with creatives, it's creatives like true creatives. Okay. There are a lot of people that are jumping on that bandwagon. People that are jumping on the entrepreneurship that aren't willing to put in the work. But the ones that think very deeply will understand that there's more than one the what you see isn't what you get mm -hmm. and so what you're also talking about is something called functional fixedness i am interested in exploring psychology and every medium that's possible so i've written the articles i've written the books i've taught in the classroom i worked as a psychologist so i basically do it until it's boring <laughs> you know and so my husband he's still exciting and my teaching job's still exciting but once things usually last get it last about 24 months with me especially when it comes to work because what i'm talking about is once again is functional fixedness and what that means is that when you look at a color geo which is one of your creations right behind you you see every single color like color moves for you and then for you, it's words. And it's what's interesting is that you both have both sides of the brain, like the left side of the brain is, you know, and then the right side of the brain, but you also have both sides of each of those sides of the brain. So essentially what makes someone a creative successful? So this is the difference between, you know, the creatives that just try something for a day and then move on yeah. is the 10,000 hours. Yeah. So that, so this is why failure is essential. And that's where the discipline comes in. That's where the accountability comes in. So if you have a generation that is told all that they're amazing at everything, they'll never find out what they're good at. Because the only way to find out what you're good at is to fail. Yes. yes. So part of being effective in, as a creative is your passion is so strong that it goes through all the years and all the doubts, but it always comes back. So Jill, you'll not want to create something for seven days and you will say, I'm not going to do it at all and I'm out of it. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. out of the blue, <laughs> the spirit of the color, whatever. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Right? And then you can hear me like, I'm done. I'm not doing this. I'm going to go study psychology. I'm going to go work in the field. And, you know, and you'll be like, what? You lost your mojo. And then all of a sudden you hear a song. You watch a commercial, like something, and then you're back in, right? Like before this interview, I'm on the couch going, oh my God, I can't. I've been up since 5.30. And then as soon as I saw you guys, I'm like, my dopamine is going. <laughs> You know? Oh, I like that. I'm going to put right? that on my business card, like dopamine creator. <laughs> yes. yes. Dopamine and dealer. <laughs> exactly. So the, so the medium changes, but what hits you stays the same. So Renee, it's always been words for you, for you, Gio, it's been color, it's been design, it's been all those things. For me, as you can see in the first five minutes, like people, like I just want to know you, like I want to dig in there. So I'll meet someone that has you in 19 years and I will remember our very first conversation and, and they're kind of creeped out, but they don't realize that I'm like that with everybody because I want to know what lights you up because yeah. it really has the effect on me. So when people, if they think I have a glow, it's your glow, not mine. That's why we started this podcast. Like Gio and I have talked about this and Gio was like, this is so funny because as difficult as we might find it to compliment ourselves or to have that arrogant moment for ourselves, we're really good at doing it for each other and especially the people that we care about. So Gio once was like, yeah, we're really good at like interviewing people or like you were saying that yesterday on the show, like we yeah. always bring it out of them. And I'm like, that's because when we see them start to light up about the thing that they love, like whatever it is that they do creatively that they absolutely love, we get turned on too. Like we're like, yes, talk about it. It's so good. <laughs> right? So when I'm at the gym, I'm just shouting. I'm like, people are 25 feet away and I'm shouting at them and they don't understand that me encouraging them encourages me, which is exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. It's what's called emotional contagion. Yeah. And that's what my PhD was about, is the idea that my favorite professor was a calculus professor. He was so excited about what he was teaching. I'm like, <laughs> my amazing. God, if he's in the like that, I'm going to be in the like that. <laughs> right? 
So you guys watch people you interview to find out. And for me, it's, I want to help people reach their maximum potential. So one of your questions was, what, when you see someone who isn't challenged, is not interested in the challenge, what do you do? You know what? Now I do nothing. It's like, I can't help you. I actually really, really want people to suffer, believe it or not, to a certain yeah. extent. You actually do enjoy seeing people suffer in the sense that you have to hit a low, and I'm talking about chronic suffering, right? Like they don't show up for class, they don't do the study, their parents, whatever, because we have to hit enough of a low of a low that we have to pick ourselves back up. And yes. I believe you enough in you, Renee, I believe enough in you that <laughs> like when I went through my low, my mom's like, you got six weeks in my basement and then you're out of there. I'm like, damn it, that means she believes in me. It's not right. Giving your kid ten thousand dollars isn't believing in them. We had such a good chat with Dr. Donardo that we're actually going to be posting the second half of our interview with her next week because we couldn't fit it all into one episode and I don't think people want to listen to a three-hour conversation. So I didn't want to cut anything because I just really loved what we talked about and I think people can get a lot out of this conversation. So we're going to be posting it next week publicly, but if you don't want to wait and you are eager to listen to it right now, it is actually available on our Patreon at patreon.com slash listen to me pod. And you can check it out there right now for the low cost of $1. Thanks for listening to me. And to me. And if you have any burning questions or you want to get your future told by psychic Donardo, <laughs> Psychic Dr. Donardo. Dr. Psychic Donardo. <laughs> Please email us at listen to me podcast at gmail.com or you can DM us on social media. And if you like what you hear, please let us know by rating this podcast on Apple, iTunes. I don't know it because I don't have it. And subscribing or following us. And if you haven't yet, please check out our Patreon. We are posting episodes early. We are making bonus episodes. We are posting blog posts. And with your support, we could do even more. And you can follow us on social media at Listen To Me Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And the music in this episode is graciously provided by Audionautics.com. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.